Adam Lingner ready to snap it back. It's 38-all. Bills can win it here. Reich puts it down. The kick is on the way, and it is good! And the Bills have won it! The Bills have won it! What is up, Football Nation? Happy New Year. It is episode 34 of the Football Nation Presents the Sportscasters podcast. Co-host Steve Bennett and Don Ross here. What's up, Don? Hey, gotta love the Van Miller. Yeah, January 3rd, 2013 is the day that we're recording this, exactly 20 years after the Bills pulled off the greatest comeback still to this day in NFL history. Uh, Wild card weekend defeating the Oilers. Uh Without Jim Kelly, 41-38. Yeah. yeah, they were down. No Jim Kelly, no, no Thurman Thomas, no Thurman Thomas by the end of the game. No Cornelius Bennett, no Bennett. Uh, Bruce had beat up ribs. Not pretty, pretty incredible when you think about it. And they went on obviously to lose play the Super Pittsburgh Bowl. and beat them, and then win the AFC Championship game and lose another Super Bowl. Yep, and uh, it's pretty much been downhill <laughs> since then. <laughs> it has been because that, that was the fourth year, right? Ninety. That was the third year. That was the third year. Yep. So I guess they had one more, one more good year in them. It was a great run. I yeah. watched. I that'll be a question for the ages. And I know that those guys. Uh, what was it called? Almost a dynasty. Yep. They did that documentary, and they asked a lot of people, "Would you have traded the four years for one Super Bowl?" And like, that's a tough question. It was an exciting time yeah. to be in Buffalo. Even, yeah, it was even very as someone cool. who wasn't necessarily a Bills fan. And the team is just historically bad. They had that great run in the ninety, like late eighties, early nineties, where they were really, really good. But then I heard a stat the other day that they've only like two or three other coaches that had ten win seasons or something. There's we're almost the perfect people to have that debate because your team went to four Super Bowls and lost them all, and my team's been to one and won it. Right. And I don't think I'd trade the, the one, one Super win. Bowl win for anything. And I think you you can't be prepared to answer that unless you know what it feels like right, to win it. Right. I think it's almost an impossible question for a Bills fan to answer because they don't know what it means to go through those emotions of winning it. It might depend on your age too. Uh, I was ten years old or so when they were going to the Super Bowls, and yeah, the first one was in nineteen ninety January nineteen ninety one. Right. Right. So I was almost I was not quite ten, but when you're that young. Uh, maybe the experience of the four years of your team being really good would trump, like, I don't know. It, it depends on your mindset. I was 29 when the Saints won the Super Bowl, and it happened kind of at the perfect time in my life based on what was going on with my health and things like that. So it was a big pick-me-up. Right. And a lot of that plays into it. But I think there's something about when you're, when your team delivers on that level – I mean, as popular as Jim Kelly is here, I think there's an extra bit of kind of romanticism that goes into it when you see him holding the trophy sure. on the stage. Yeah, the one thing I, I was reading articles about this today and watching the highlights, and uh, it makes me wonder, like, if my team were to win it now, like, can I, like, I love that team. I look back at that team and, like, it's like you're overwhelmed with nostalgia watching a team like that. Uh, maybe, again, because of my age. I was 10 years old then. I don't know if I would have – I think I would get excited for my city. Like, I don't think there's a city that needs a championship more than Buffalo. Maybe, maybe Cleveland. Cleveland yeah. Right. But uh, I would be excited for that part of it. I think I'd be excited for, like – but I don't think I would love the team the way I love that team. But uh, I guess I'll have to wait and see. And I think the question for any Buffalo fan that's maybe more fair is, if you could get one, would you rather it be a Bills Super Bowl or a Sabre Stanley Cup? I'm on the wrong podcast to answer that because uh, I, <laughs> I think I we might, both are. I, I might love hockey are. a little bit more. Yeah, I think we both are and do. And but I think, but I think the the Bills winning it would be more to the city. So maybe that would be the better, the better answer. Like it would be more. It would mean more on a larger scale to the city. Like it's so weird. To, be, it's so weird in this city because whoever's better is the more popular team. At right. The it's time. a hockey city. It's a football right, city. Right. It, go, right. it bounces back and forth. But uh, we have a great show today. Dave Damashek, who is really important to us, uh, is kind of the guy who set us on this track, I would say. Yeah, sure. Way back when. And uh, 
Dave's going to join us and, and talk the way only Dave can um, <laughs> about some things. So we're going to get to that. We have some uh, an email question, and we'll finish off with one last thing. But as always, we'll get started with three things. Let's play a game. All right. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever! <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep! Now let's move on to other business. We're going to mix things up a little bit today. Uh, it's playoff time, so yeah, let's do things different. The, the fan of the show, the bulk, the meat of the show is going to be the playoffs, so uh, we're going to kind of work in reverse. We'll preview the playoffs, we'll get to that, but let's go through a little bit of, a little bit of the other... Uh, Hooey and applesauce, as Dave likes to call right. it. My my first thing, or third thing this week, is uh, Adrian Peterson. We've gushed about him. Uh, you've been accused of uh, having a man crush yep. on Adrian. And, and I uh, fairly admitted it. <laughs> he, and this isn't going to hurt his legacy at all, it just makes him cooler, but uh, apparently he wants to play special teams. And not only does he tell the media that, but his special teams coach, uh, Pfeiffer, I can't think of his first name here, but uh, says he's constantly bothering him to play special teams. He's, he wants to return kicks. He wants to return kicks, or he said he wants to be the uh, the gunner, or he wants to be the guy trying, <laughs> that's to, nuts. trying to block a field goal. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see it. And uh, like I said, we got a lot to get to other than this, but I just thought that was kind of a cool story and just a real likable, likable guy if... We haven't argued that enough before. And apparently you gave me a stat before the show that said in his first year he returned kicks for like five games or something. Yeah. Well, he did it at OU for about five games and was fairly successful. And then in the NFL, he he did it his rookie season and averaged 26 26 yards yards. of carry. So it's not exactly like blowing anybody away or whatever. But uh, I don't know if kick returns would be his specialty. He's good at running people over and making people miss. That's kind of... That seems like it's better for like a Percy Harvin, someone shiftier. But uh, I, I would love to see him trying to block field goals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything he can't do. So uh, I'm sure if he did that on a weekly basis, he'd block one. Uh, a guy that we don't necessarily talk about all the time, but maybe we should have. And this weekend may or may not be the last chance to watch him. My third thing was Ray Lewis announced that he's retiring. After this season, whenever that is. And, you know, there's been some questions about his character in the past. Sure. Yeah. He had to stand before a jury of his peers, and he did beat that charge. So right. as far as I'm concerned, it's water under the bridge. Uh, he's the guy who's been on the cover of Madden. He's the guy who's won the Super Bowl on a team that won the Super Bowl in with defense. And he's probably one of the best linebackers of all time, and he's going to walk into the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. So uh, congratulations to Ray Lewis on a great career. And, you know, congratulations to Ray Lewis being able to somewhat do it on his terms. Right. Been banged up a little bit this year, but he gets to be part of the playoff run. And when the playoff run is over, he gets to walk off the field the way he wants to walk off the field. And uh, there's no better way to end a Hall of Fame career than that, I guess. Right. And if you're talking about teams like my Bills, maybe that would be a hard choice for who was their best player all time. Uh, if you say Baltimore Ravens, it's Ray Lewis. Right, I mean, course. if you don't count the Cleveland Colts years. Cleveland, right. Uh, it, Ray Lewis was the Baltimore Ravens. He was really the attitude of that team. Like uh, a Ravens-type team is a nasty defense and uh, maybe smash, kind of like the Pittsburgh model, but maybe maybe they did it a little bit better for a short while there. Our second thing, kind of a combined thing here, because there's a lot to talk about, is the coaching changes. Uh, Black, Black Monday. Black Monday here Very in the NFL. Black. We lost seven coaches to firings. That's uh, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bears, the Cardinals, the Browns, the Chargers, and the Eagles all lost their coaches. None surprising, I don't think, except the Bears. Yeah. And ten, I heard the Bears players were not happy about it. It's interesting. I mean, I guess, hey, if been there seven years you can argue that harbaugh did the same thing with his quarterback he had a quarterback that took him to the championship game he had a great absolutely outstanding win percentage but just wasn't good enough he didn't think they had enough to get over the hump so maybe the 
the powers that be in Chicago didn't think he quite had enough to get them over the hump and got rid of him. He had 10 and 6 records, and I know the Bills are kind of talking to him. I would love the Bills to have had any 10 and 6 record or yeah. any playoff appearance. So, And he took a team that was quarterbacked by Rex Grossman to the Super Bowl. Yep. So he's, he's, he's going to land on his He's going to get a job. Yeah, he'll get one pretty quick. And Andy Reid already basically has a Signed job with, with Kansas Chiefs. City. Yep. So. Uh, like I said, the Bears, Cardinals, Ken Wisenhunt's gone. So as a Bills fan and all the names that have been mentioned, is there one that excites you the most? I like uh, the idea of Chip Kelly. I don't honestly know much about him. The idea that he's interviewing tomorrow is going to make me watch the Oregon game tonight. Uh, I like the idea of the Sabres being, or geez, the Bills being ahead of the curb as, curve as far as like sabermetrics and the score casting, the John Wertheim model, the uh, Tuesday morning quarterback, the Mike Shope. I like that that thinking, and this this is the ahead of the curve thinking. This is uh, stuff that they don't typically do. So that's what would excite me the most. Then I guess it would be Lovey Smith, if it's not. Chip Kelly or some other college guy I'm not aware of. I like Doug Marone, I mean, from Syracuse. Yeah. He's a former Saints assistant coach, and I kind of, if my team was looking for a coach right now, thank God we're not. Yeah. Uh, I would want to I would want to go as young or as new or as fresh as possible. Absolutely. I've been telling people the coach I want is a coach I haven't heard of, if it's not Chip Kelly, because I'm not. And Chip Kelly isn't necessarily Young, I don't know his exact age, but he's all he's doing something new, right? So I like you were saying. So I think that that you don't want to just bring in the same old thing, right? And the Bills did announce that they're going to have, I believe, the term they used was an uh, analytic something department, football analytics department. They're going to look into that. So we'll see what that actually means on the field. It means nothing in a press conference. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but we'll see what they do. It's interesting to hear how all of these teams are kind of scrambling to get the same guys initially. Yeah. You know what I mean? You hear you heard Andy Reid linked to Phoenix initially and then Kansas City swoops in and you know Lovey Smith is bouncing around. I wonder if Lovey Smith is going to get a bunch of interviews because of the Rooney rule. He could. You know what I mean? Definitely like, could. He's a viable candidate. He could come in and take a job. And he also fills love, the team's requirement for the Rooney Rule. I would love to see the Bills take Lovey Smith as a D coordinator if he can't find a job. I'd be I'd be surprised if he couldn't find a uh, head coaching job, but he's got a really good track record as a defensive coach, so I would take that in a heartbeat. Playoffs? Yeah, our last thing. The, finally, we started this podcast with weeks and weeks and weeks of no football, and then we made it through the regular season, and here we are finally to the playoffs. Uh, all kicks off Saturday, 4.30, NBC, Cincinnati at Houston. That's not terribly excited about that No, game. it's probably the least exciting matchup. Cincinnati's yep. a team that, uh, I don't know, they're a conundrum to me, and I've kind of said this all year. Every time I pick them to win, they lose, and when I pick them to lose, they win. Great road record, 6-2 and two on the road. That's the reason they're in the playoffs. Yeah, and Houston uh, six and two at home, so something's got to give there. Right, but they look pretty beatable, and they've been pretty bad. They've been not impressive down the stretch. So, and Don's going to talk more about the Texans later. Yeah, um, but I I could see that game really going either way. I could too. I think it might come down to what quarterback makes the least mistakes. Maybe seems like that kind of game. And it might be a game where J.J. Watt can can, can kind of really make a difference. So yeah, yeah, you would hope so. He he might be the difference there. Then Saturday night, it's probably the main event of the weekend. Usually this Saturday night, 8 o'clock NBC game, is the best game of wild card weekend. I think they picked the right one with the Vikings and the Packers. The bottom line is the Packers need a new plan for Adrian Peterson. 400, <laughs> 409 yeah. yards in, two, in games. two games in December, that's not going to cut it. But as you'll hear when we talk to Dave in a few minutes, the Packers are a really scary team, I think. And they're 7-1 and one at home this year. And I think they're the kind of a, a kind of team that's kind of flying under the radar. If they would have won that game last week. Which, which is amazing, considering how 
well they've played. Yeah, if they would have won that game that week and ended up being a team with a bye, everyone would be on the Packers bandwagon right now. Right. But because they lost that game, because they got caught trying to drag Adrian Peterson around the field, they're in a position where they have to play this week. But they're also a team that's proven that they can go to Atlanta and win in the playoffs if they need to. I think they're a really dangerous team. And they've let Peterson has great numbers against them, but they've also done a terrible job in tackling him. And I think the emphasis this week for them in practice is think what we could do to this team if we could just tackle Adrian Peterson. And I I and there was ten times last week where Adrian Peterson was stopped for no gain or a loss. Yeah. And if you get ahead and you yeah, can get those kind of stops, and I don't trust Christian Ponder on the road in the playoffs. That, that's what I was going to say. The best defense in this case, to use a cliche, is a good offense. Just keep him off the field. Or if you're not, if you're going to score, or if you're going to get him on the field, put him on the field because you scored. When, if they get behind, Minnesota is not a team built to come from behind. So just let your offense do what they do. Uh, Quick stat here that you said they're seven and one at home. They're only lost this year, week one against San Francisco, and it was a tight loss. And boy, this team for a team that started slow. Here was their first five games: lost to San Francisco, win at Chicago, convincing win at Chicago, a loss to Seattle in the fail Mary game, a tight win over New Orleans, and then a loss to Indy. There's not an embarrassing loss there, and no. that was a time when everyone was like, "Oh boy, what's wrong with Green Bay?" And all of a sudden they go like ten and or nine and two for the remaining schedule. That's a scary team. I know they lost the last week of the season. Uh, that's kind of Adrian's day. Yeah, it was. So we both, I think, picked them to be in the Super Bowl. So I, and I don't, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm wavering. No, that. I don't think so either. Uh, Sunday one o'clock game is Colts at the Ravens. Interesting. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting game. Two teams kind of moving in different directions. The Ravens look like their window might be closing. Uh, they got a lot of players on their defense getting older. Uh, their offense, even without or after the firing, their coordinator hasn't looked better. So this They're is kind need of their a good time day to win. From Flacco. Yeah, Flacco's got to be good because he can. I've seen Joe Flacco play good games, and the coach comes out after and says, "Pay him." And I've also <laughs> seen him stink. And I think there's something behind the Chuck Strong stuff. Sure. You know what I mean? I think that that might give me an edge. I, we're going to talk about it later, but I think the Colts have a real shot here, especially considering they're a seven-point dog. I saw it on – I follow someone on Twitter. I'm going to get the name wrong probably, sportsbook.com or something. It's kind of an interesting Twitter account. I don't gamble, but it's cool. Like they'll just post about the way the lines are moving and everything. They said right now, I think you can get the you can get in on the Colts to win the Super Bowl at eighty to one, which is ridiculous to me. Like, what was their odds before this season right. would have started? Now they're in the playoffs, and uh, eighty to one. I read, so I imagine that line might shift before Sunday. But uh, yeah, the Colts put up a lot of points, even against good defenses. They had a couple bad weeks in there against the Jets and Houston, uh, both on the road, I believe, yeah. But uh, they put up a lot of points, and Baltimore's going to have to come up with an answer to luck because he's been pretty dialed in all season. Over 4,000 yards and 23 TD passes. Not bad for a rookie. Not at all. And the last game of the day, uh, kind of smash-mouth game, and that's 4.30 Sunday on Fox is the Seahawks at the Redskins. Battle of the rookie quarterback At the Redskins. That's because of the uh, division record, but uh, that'll be a that'll be a good game, like you said, for the rookie quarterbacks thing. I'm not sure RG3 has played a defense as good as Seattle this year, but uh, it'll be an interesting game. It'll be interesting to see what he the can do. The story of Wild Card Weekend might be the inexperienced quarterbacks in the playoffs and how they can do. Christian Ponder's never played a court, never played a playoff game. Matt Schaub has never played a playoff game. Remember, T.J. Yates was the quarterback right, right. last year. Andrew Luck has never played a playoff game. Russell Wilson and RG3 obviously haven't. And Andy Dalton played one last played year. Played in one, right? I think so. Yeah, just the one. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Someone will email us if that's right. <laughs> right. It'll be interesting to see what the quarterbacks can do 
the young quarterbacks. And I think the hardest game to pick is Seattle and um, Washington. And Washington. That right there is exactly why I get behind the young thinking and the young. there's a good old boy philosophy in the NFL that you have to develop quarterbacks. This is exactly the reason you don't. Uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers is the exception because he had to sit behind a Hall of Famer a little bit. But, I mean, they had a Hall of Famer there. But you've got two rook- three rookies in the playoffs and, what, two second-year guys? It kind of throws it all in the face of the you have to develop a guy. And, that's and they're what- not all first-round picks either. No. Nope, not at all. Russell Wilson's a third-round pick. Matt Schaub, I'm almost positive, was not a first-round pick. No. And and they did uh, – Andy Dalton did get a playoff game last year. They lost to Houston 31-10. Yeah, I knew they had at least – I knew they were a playoff team. I just couldn't remember if they won. I, they did not. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Great week of uh, playoffs. Those... Yeah, it's, it's a great weekend. You know, there's games on both days, two games on both days. If you're in a cold city like this, there's nothing like hunkering down and – it's watching the playoffs all weekend, right? You think any team other than Green Bay? I, I know for a while, were the Giants the first wild card team to win a playoff or to uh, make not, it all the way? Not the first, but one of the few. I think the Raiders did it way back when. Yeah, I think the Packers got a real shot at it this but year. But we'll get to more of this as we go on in the show. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Dave Damashek. At the New Orleans 31, down seven. I'm going to say this. Two weeks ago, the Jets, you kept blitzing. It cost you. If I was the New Orleans Saints, I would not blitz him. I would put the extra guys in coverage. Picked up. Look out. Gets past Manning. And it's Tracy Porter taking it all the way. Touchdown, New Orleans. Our next guest is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and is a graduate of Indiana University. He currently covers football for the National Football League at NFL.com and is on shows on the NFL Network and produces a weekly shame report and speculates on some of the most significant moments in NFL history via his brilliant What If L animations. A warm sportscaster's welcome to our great friend and mentor, Dave Damashek. What's up, Dave? Oh, my God. I hope I'm not responsible for mentoring you. My goodness. And, uh, I love that Peyton Manning play. That was, uh, that was uh, the great Tracy Porter from Indiana University. One yeah. of the few Hoosiers that distinguished himself on the uh, professional gridiron, right? Well, it's kind of ironic that both of us have had great Super Bowl moments produced by Indiana University products. Cause in the, How so? Well, in the, it was the Seattle Super Bowl, I believe, that it was um, Randall Alhu. Made oh, a yeah, big yeah. play. Made one Randall L for the touchdown pass, right? Yeah, so that was a big play in, in that Super Bowl win for you. And then, obviously, the biggest play in the history of the Saints is made by a Indiana graduate from Louisiana who got snubbed by everyone in Louisiana for college, went to Indiana, got drafted by the Saints. Now he's in Denver. And uh, it's just kind of ironic. And actually, next to me for Christmas, I got a fathead. I don't know if you remember the play, but he's running towards the end zone, kind of pointing at it. I have a picture of that. It's sure. six six foot wide by four feet tall, right above our workstation. Wow, that's awesome! I didn't know they made that. That's awesome and uh, ironic. I didn't know that Tracy Porter was from Louisiana, so Peyton Manning, in fact, got uh, picked off by his statesman. Yep, there was right? four his fellow statesmen. Four Saints on that team were from Louisiana, and he was from Port something Louisiana and for the month or so after the Super Bowl is called Porter whatever Louisiana. Ah, look at you with all the knowledge. Good for you, Saints fan. Well you and me are in the same boat this year. You the Saints fan, me the Steelers fan, we're both on the outside looking in. Yeah, that's horrible. But there is, I guess other teams in the league. Um but before we get to that, I you know I love the Saints, and I think you know to some degree that I love Oklahoma too. And before we get into the playoffs, I want to ask you about Adrian and what you've thought about what he's done this season. And I mean, it was it as much of a pleasure for you as it was for me, or do I just have that big of a man crush on Adrian? Well, no. I mean, how would you not be uh, 
done by what Adrian Peterson did. It's amazing. Um, it also, though, says a great deal about modern medicine, actually. You think about Jamal Charles goes for 1,500 yards on an abysmal team. He hurt his knee only three months before uh, Peterson hurt his, you know. Remember, I mean, what was that, week two or so? Week yeah. three that Charles goes down? Both of those guys are back in in less than 12 months. It's amazing. You know, you think about, you're probably too young, but 20 or so years ago, that, that, that sort of thing wouldn't have happened. You certainly wouldn't see uh, um, a guy that hurts his knee at best. He would be back and ready to go in about, you know, maybe he'd be back to form, if ever, in two years or three years. These guys are back so fast and they don't lose a step. I've got like Billy Sims. Who uh, is that Oklahoma guy? You probably yep. remember yep. Billy Sims, or at least you're aware of him. Yep. Um, man, he had his first four and a half. Well, he had played four and a half years in the league, and uh, with the Lions, and he was dynamite. He was a, as exciting and great a runner as I've seen in my life. And he hurts his knee in his fifth season, and that's the end of his career. That he, he never plays again. So um, it's remarkable. But yeah, Peterson. As, uh, you know, putting up the two grand, you almost feel like, isn't it crazy that they couldn't figure out eight more yards somewhere along the way for yeah. the record? But I guess for, Mike, for the Vikings, it's more important to get to the playoffs, obviously. But I also say, you know, there's something you don't hear the NFL talk about a whole lot for obvious reasons. But still, the greatest season, arguably, by a running back is O.J. Simpson. He remains the only guy to get to 2014 games. No one else has ever done that still. So I, I say amazing season by Peterson, especially when he has a bum QB and everything else, uh, you know, who, who does not distract the defense one iota. Um, good for Peterson, one of the all-time great seasons. But I think you still say the Jukes. What's that guy up to these days? <laughs> I'm not really sure, but that season you're talking about happened about 10 miles from where I'm sitting right now, a part of it anyway, the home game. So How about that? Yeah, 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 yeah right, exactly. Buffalo, New York, so we're very proud of our OJ here. <laughs> you are? <laughs> not, 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 Portions of his career you're proud of. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. right. Even, I was going to say post-football, I'm not as proud, but of course you you have to be very proud of his. I mean, his finest work was in Naked Gun. Oh, I was so. just thinking about him falling down the stairs at the end of the movie. <laughs> I was just That was going through my head when uh, he gets pushed, yeah. pushed down the steps on the uh, and lands on the field by... Um, uh, the main man on that in that movie, I can't think of Leslie, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen, right. Right. So, well, maybe someday there'll be a what if out about what if people weren't scared of Adrian coming out of college because he had a broken collarbone and was quote unquote injury prone and wasn't the seventh pick, but maybe the third or the second or even the first. Like you should have been. Boy, you could go through. You could go through draft by draft and play. Uh, it's, it's the end if L, by the way. See the see the word play there. And yeah. if L, because it's based on the end F L. See gotcha. how that's clever how that, it came up with yeah, that. Yeah, it makes a lot of um, sense. The uh, the Adrian, uh, but yeah, I mean that, that that is a great one. Adrian Peterson goes what a year? Odd uh, eight. That sounds right. Uh, and he was nine. Just, he, I, Oh, eight sounds this right. This is his fourth year, right? He, this was his sixth season, actually. His sixth season? Yeah, because I compared oh, I, I compared him and Emmett Smith um, through six years, and he Adrian's played nine less games and is basically com- directly on pace with him. Oh, is he really interesting? It's yeah. amazing that Emmett Smith holds that record. It kind of undermines the record book, I feel like, when a guy like Emmett Smith has a record like that. You know, you, it's hard to make a case. You know, I always say, you know, we're not, we're, we won't do it here because shame the devil if we would talk about uh, hockey after right. what they're considering what they're doing to us. But, um, you know, numbers are hard to argue. You know, my greatest argument against Wayne Gretzky is, hey, Emmett Smith is the all-time leading rusher. Does that mean, mean he's better than some of the runners we've seen in the NFL over the years, ergo, we can't just say, well, Gretzky has the most points, therefore he's the best uh, hockey player. But, yeah, someday I would like to see a guy like Adrian Peterson get it. Somebody else is early in his career. Who am I thinking of? Another guy is kind of off pace to do it. Especially Calvin remarkable Johnson, to be putting maybe? up those numbers. Who is it? Are you talking about Calvin Johnson, or are you talking about another running back? 
Wow, yeah, he's yeah, he's wow. Uh, yeah, I wasn't thought I was thinking about running backs, but it is remarkable in an age where you know everybody just about is, is pass first to be putting up those kind of numbers. That that makes it actually the Oakland, uh, Adrian was drafted in 2007, and the Oakland Raiders picked Jamarcus Jermar- Russell with the first pick. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny. I just I just recorded it. It'll be a couple of weeks away before it goes up on uh, on the NFL. But um, I just uh, did a thing about uh, Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell was referenced uh, in a tangent because I did. Um, what if Carson Palmer hadn't got hurt in the off five playoffs against the Steelers? How that might have affected things. That, uh, spoiler alert: It would mean that Carson Palmer is happy in Cincinnati, so he never leaves Cincinnati, and so they don't trade him to Oakland, and so the Raiders trade up to get uh, Robert Griffin the third in the in uh, the twenty twelve draft. So, Very interesting. And Jamar and Jarvis, Jamarcus Russell is mentioned. Nothing changes for him; he still stinks. <laughs> Let's talk about the playoffs a little bit. Are you excited about any of the four games in particular this weekend? It's not maybe the best slate of wild card games I can remember. Well, I think the Seahawks and Redskins game is as dandy and compelling a, a wild card round game as, as I can recall. Um, if you're a Vikings guy or you're an Adrian Peterson guy, I can see that. I mean, I really think, although, you know, listen, I, I, I think that's the one two people look at and say, well, obviously, obviously the, the Packers are going to win that, but we just saw these two teams play and the, the Vikings took care of business. So, um, you know, I, I think that the key with that game is that the Packers need to jump on them real fast, not give them any life. You know, they get up. If they get up 10 or maybe a couple of touchdowns, I think it'll be over. I think the, the Vikings ride is, feels complete now, doesn't it? You know, if you're a Vikings fan or a player, it's not like you think. What we know, what we're really playing for is a Super Bowl crown. You're not winning the Super Bowl this year, obviously. So then again, those teams are the ones that play loose because they're not expected to win, and the Packers obviously are, and, and practically speaking. Um, if they can't stop the run, they can't stop the run. And, Four, and Adrian Peterson's going to gash them, so they really better, um, you know, they better hit them up quick on that through the air, like I say. I think if they, I think if they jump on them and get up a couple of touchdowns, there's zero chance of a comeback by the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, Peterson has rushed for 410 10 yards in two games against them in December, so they definitely need to come up with a better plan for stopping him. But in one of the games, you rushed for... I, think 210 yards and the the Packers won anyway so I see that yeah it's, it's, I'm interested you know I think the in spite of it's it's strange you know if the Packers had won this past week everybody in the world would be picking the Packers to go to the Super Bowl at least but now with that loss it does throw things up in the air you know they could have secured a bye they don't do that but then again you think of who's in front of them Think about the Falcons. They're not scary until they do something. They've never done anything in the postseason with Matt Ryan, so they need to do that before anybody is officially concerned by them. And behind that, the 49ers are, are, have had flashes of looking like the best team, but they've also had stretches of looking completely mediocre. I mean, they went 0-1-1 against the Rams. They got humiliated by the Seahawks. Yep. So, you know, uh, who's really scary? And I think that's 0-2 in general. Um, the defense is in the NFL now. You know, there's really just nothing um, comparable, and it has more to do with the rules that change than anything else, but there's just nothing comparable in the, in the league now to Ray Lewis, and uh, those Baltimore Ravens or the Bears of the mid-'80s or the Steelers or the 70s. I mean, there just isn't an equivalent to that. So um, I wonder, you know, so, so if the Niners, if their chances are predicated on their supposed shutdown defense, then they're in trouble because at some point you're going to get got. You know, you're not, no defense in the NFL now is just strength together dominant performance after dominant 
performance, especially against the best teams in the league. So, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know, man. I, it, it, I'm interested to see if the Packers can go deep, but it does seem to me that if they can get on a roll and really, if they can smoke the Vikings, which on paper you would think they should, if they do that, I could see them just getting on a real roll at the right time, sort of like they did two years ago or like the Giants did last year, because their guys, their, their big guys are getting right at the right time. They're Clay Matthews and Charles Woodson are back. Greg Jennings. And, um, and, you know, Greg Jennings. And what, what Greg Jennings does for Jordy Nelson is what Jordy Nelson then does to, to Randall Cobb and your Michael Finley, which is... Um, put them in their appropriate slot. Greg Jennings draws number one coverage and can live up to that. Jordy Nelson really can't. You expect him to carry the load. Uh, you're going to be in trouble. But when you slot him as a number two guy, he's forward. And then we're going to pass him on. Yeah, I think that's... I, I, I stand five. I think you can get these stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you kind, of, you kind of sound like me in the sense that you think the Packers... I think the Packers are really dangerous for one reason because I, I think they have a very winnable game this week. If they're in a position where they have to go to Atlanta, I think it's only been a couple of years since they've went there and absolutely destroyed them, so I think they'd have confidence going into that building. And I think they owe the league a little something from last year when they had that great season... And then, if you remember, leading up to the playoff game, and no one really talks about this, they had a their offensive coordinator's son die in between their first playoff game and the end of the regular season. And I just think it was the wrong day, and the Giants caught them on the wrong day. So I think they can be a very dangerous team. Well, uh, you know, I agree with you completely. Yeah, we talked about that as a matter of fact. I did on my was the, was the uh, film in the death of yeah. his son that on a human model, of course, is going to affect how they prepare and everything else, of course. That's, they're, they're human beings, and that is a legitimate factor. Um, so, yeah, that was bad. And then the uh, practical football concern that their their offensive line happened to be complete garbage and decimated by the time the playoffs rolled around. They played the absolute worst team they could have played with the Giants having a healthy rotation on their front line, you know, and, and uh, what happened happened, and then, you know, and then a fluke play or two happens, like, the, uh, remember the Hail Mary to end the half, that was a that was a crazy play, and, you know, all those Packers receivers had the case of the drops, and, and all of a sudden, the Packers, who look like they might go undefeated, they're out of the playoffs, so... That's what it's all about. And I don't love it, by the way. I don't love that. I can't, but my favorite, I already know that my favorite um, event in sports is going to be that 14 playoff in college football. It's not for casual fans so much as it is for the diehard fans. You know, I don't need six seeds. I don't like six seeds going in the playoffs. I like it when it's the, the bet, when it's burned over the course of a long season like that. I don't even love March Madness. I know people think I'm crazy, but, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not even in love with that term. So, because of, you know, what would we do with Playing for at that point, if they, if they um, house money, if, if they get the, 
to, to Atlanta. That's exactly right. That's a scary team. You know, that's a lot, like I said, that's the puncher's chance I give to the uh, to the Vikings too. You know, they're not playing for anything really. That they're not having. Nobody thinks that that for professional athletes, nothing works better than no one outside this locker room believes in us. Those guys buy that jazz, you know. And yep. Meantime, Matt Ryan and company, they're going to be playing not to lose, you know. They're, they're, so uh, I. I if I'm a Falcons fan, I'm really spooked right now. You know, I don't know which you're better off. I guess probably the Seahawks are a worse matchup. But either way, RG3 and Alfred Morris roll in there, I'd be scared. So let's call the Seahawks and Redskins game kind of a coin flip at this point. It's kind of like a battle of which rookie quarterback maybe is going to be better. Maybe the Redskins get a little edge with home field, or maybe the Seahawks get a little edge because maybe they're a better all-around team. But when you look at the other three games, which home team do you think is in the most danger? Do you think the Ravens or Texans or Packers all survive this week, or is there one you think that is most vulnerable? I'm inclined to say the Texans because what is the historical precedent for a team playing badly in the last month and then turning it on once the playoffs start, turning that bad trend around? Um, but um, I you know, I well, the, and the answer to that question that I just uh, threw out is I think it's the Saints. I think it's your Saints the year they won. They were red hot. Weren't they even 13 and 0 yep, at one they point or something like that? And then they lost two games, and then they lost the third one, but nobody played. So, yeah, yeah they, so, went, sorry. they went from they 13. Did legit, they did legitimately lose a couple yes. of games yep. and not look three, real good. Three in but, a row. but they weren't playing for as much at that point. No, um, after the second the game. Part, but, yeah. And, and I, you know, listen, Cincinnati is playing reasonably well. They're not a juggernaut. I mean, witness the fact that the Steelers' defense is good and statistically was number one, but it's, I mean, come on, the defense was not, you know, a, a special um, group for the most part of the season. But in Heinz Field, they did keep Cincinnati to zero offensive touchdowns, so it weren't for Roethlisberger throwing that pick six. So, they're not that great a team, Cincinnati. They can, and you know, their front seven, everybody talks about it, but they really do a great job pass rushing and stopping the run, and so that gives them a chance in this game. But ultimately, at home, I think that, that, that the Texans will pull it out. But also, something else to remember, one other uh, interesting note about that team is the Texans is, you know, they looked good last year. They beat Cincinnati in the playoffs. Then they went up to Baltimore and really should have won that game. Um, but uh, they don't because T.J. Yates, the rookie, throws an interception at the end of the game. But, that, but you know, T.J. Yates was in there because Matt Schaub was hurt. Remember, Matt Schaub has never played a playoff game. People sort of think, oh, you know, the Texans, we're now used to them as being a contender because it's two years in a row now, and they have won that division two years in a row and everything. But keep in mind, the matchup has never taken a playoff snap. So who knows? You know, that, that's something at least to keep your eye on. Um, the one I, if I had to pick a game, I would say the Ravens are in the most peril going into this one. Um, Ray Lewis, maybe that influences things. The announcement that he's retiring, maybe they're, you know, in a different headspace because he's out there. But practically speaking, I think the Colts can score points on just about anybody, and that Ravens defense isn't great. So why why not? Why shouldn't? Why wouldn't they be able to to put up points? And then that goes on to Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco better show up and play and be good. Joe Flacco, and we've seen that about a third of the games this year. He's better at home, but he's not um, infallible at home. You know, he definitely has some bad moments even in Baltimore. So I'd be very nervous if I were a Ravens guy. I mean, so in the last six weeks, they were, they were, uh, they weren't uh, mediocre. They were a bad team with the one exception of that uh, home game Giants against game. the Giants. That's the yep. only game out of their last seven games that they look remotely, uh, you know, intimidating at all. So, you know, unless you, you say Jim Caldwell to solve the, the Joe Flacco riddle, I don't know what the reason for optimism is. But let me play devil's advocate. If they win, that means that they go to New England, and that's the one team in the AFC that does seem to have Tom Brady and company's numbers. So that would be interesting from that aspect. 
do you buy into the Chuck Strong stuff? You know, like, do you think that that makes sure. the Colts a more dangerous team? I don't know if that makes them dangerous, but they clearly are feeling good about themselves. And as I've said before, I say again now, if you, unless you have uh, a rooting interest in one of those five AFC teams, other AFC teams, who wouldn't be rooting for Chuck Strong right now? So it's a great story. So um, it, it definitely influences things. But again, practically, it's the job Bruce Arian did. Bruce Arians the company. And that's it. And, and Andrew Luck, you know, our pal Daniel Jeremiah at the NFL Network, uh, who really breaks the film down and everything going through it play by play, game by game, says that he thinks Andrew Luck has, been, has made a difference of at least five or six games for the Colts. Imagine that, that the quarterback would swing things. You can't say that about Peyton Manning. I mean, they won, you know, the Broncos won, what they win, 11 games with. Um, or 10 games they, or 11 they games. They were 2 and 3, and Tebow. they ran the table. So, oh, with Tebow, yeah, of course. Yeah, they won 11. So, I mean, yeah, you know, so how many guys are that uh, influential? Andrew Luck, a rookie, comes in there. I mean, you know, remember, everybody was running for the hills with the exception of Dwight Freeney and, uh, and Reggie Wayne. A lot of guys bailed out on that team, and Andrew Luck has double digits in the playoffs. So, ultimately, can anyone beat Denver in Denver? Or Tom Brady and company, right? Tom Brady, you know, I know that That's the, the reason right? history of that matchup favors Peyton Manning, but I'm always look, until Peyton Manning, he has to do it one more time. We've talked about it before. You just played the pick of Tracy Porter and Fletch Mullen. There are two, you know, there are two different kinds of groups, two, two fundamental groups of good QB. Um, and they are those, you know, those. Tom Brady, the, the thinky QB, you know, the, the Brady guy who, who, who dissects you, Peyton Manning, and, and those guys. But the more prominent guys, the guys who've had uh, a lot of success in the last 25 years are the so-called gunslingers, Favre, Roethlisberger, and so on. And Tony Romo's bad version of that gunslinger who throws games away in the clutch. Uh, but, you know, Peyton Manning... As a guy who everybody is in love with, everybody who watches the game film all the time, everybody loves Peyton Manning because he's such a master. He's a coach out on the field, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, except for the fact that he throws more picks in big moments than those so-called gunslingers do. I mean, he's thrown away so many big games. Um, it's amazing. So let's see him do it now. Let's see him. Let's see him do it again. Again, I remind you, his only Super Bowl crown comes against Rex Grossman. Otherwise, he's Dan Marino or anybody else. Yeah, that's a good point. So you got the bracket. We've kind of talked about some of the matchups this weekend. We looked ahead a little bit. If you had a pick right now, who do you think ends up in NOLA standing next to that Grinch, um, Goodell, and uh, getting the Super Bowl trophy ultimately? What two teams and who wins? My man. Main man, Goodell. You mean my main man, my dear friend, Commissioner Goodell. Um, yeah, you can, I end up, you uh, I, I stick with uh, my preseason pick out of Hubert, and also I have some practical reasons. Um, I will stay with the Packers over the Patriots to make it as simple as possible, probably even oversimplifying it. They always say it's a quarterback league. It's a quarterback league. It's a quarterback league. Well, Aaron Rodgers is the best QB. Tom Brady is probably the second best. Ergo, why wouldn't I say one over number two? If it's a quarterback league, let's see the two QBs get it on. So if it's a quarterback league, does that mean I'm going to have to start a riot when Peyton, winning, Peyton Manning wins the MVP and not Adrian Peterson? You know, it's funny that a month ago the conversation wasn't about uh, wasn't about that. It was about the comeback player right. a year award. And I was like, what is it? Why is this important? Why? Neither, who cares? It's a comeback player of the year award. It's not the. It's not that significant. Just give it to them both. How about that? Just split them both. Period. Not that we don't have to debate this. Then I don't have to listen to this on sports radio for the next six weeks. To me, it's not a, a terribly important award. But um, yeah, now that it's an MVP thing, um. Yeah, I'll tell you, man, it's too bad that the quarterback lead thing does overshadow a guy like Adrian Peterson, who's more distinctive, doing it in this era. Nobody who hands the ball off, who carries it as much as 
as the Vikings and Adrian Peterson do. That's what makes it phenomenal is that everybody can throw as long as you give them a little bit of time. The great, great QBs like Aaron Rodgers can get away without a great offensive line. But, you know, you give any NFL QB with the rules being what they are, they can, you know, they're going to throw for 4,000 yards at this point. But not very many running backs are going to be able to put a season together like what Adrian Peterson did. It's almost more you see God running backs on bad teams do it. Rare, though, is the time these days where you see a dominant running back like that on a team that winds up in the playoffs. So, to me, I give it to Peterson. I mean, Get this, Dave. With his QB. Percy, Har- Percy Harvin was, you know, Percy, well, Percy Harvin missed the last month of the season, and he's their only uh, playmaking pass catcher. So, yeah, Adrian Peterson, one-man record. Harvin is still the leading receiver on the Vikings to this point. And I'm just looking. You mentioned, you know, who runs it as much, and I was just looking at the matchups, and it has the leaders. And uh, so the leading rusher for Cincinnati had 278 carries for 1094. Then Foster is the only one who had more carries than Peterson, 351, and he had about 1424. So that's uh, almost 700 yards less than Adrian. Um, Ballard is the leading rusher for. Indy, he had 211 carries for 814 yards. Rice had 257 for 1143. Morris had 335, which is really close to what Adrian had at 348 and had 1643. Adrian averaged 6.0 yards a carry this year. I don't know. If he can't win it this year, he probably can never win it. I know, and maybe, who knows, maybe the, the, uh, all the QB aficionados will vote on which quarterback deserves it, and maybe Peterson will sneak through. I think also the, the thing that happens is that guys, you know, these voters make their decision too early. You know, if you had to wait until after the games are all done in week 17, you'd look at it and say, wow, how did that Vikings team get into the playoffs? I mean, I realize, but it's some of the seasons. Some of these QBs that had are, are, you know, are phenomenal, but really, I mean, how did that Vikings? I think not that the fact that I picked them in the preseason to be the worst team in the league means anything, but I think that was a common opinion that the Vikings were going to be a lousy team. Nobody had them as anything other than fourth place in the NFC North, and they're in the playoffs. It's amazing. Ahead of two of those teams. And, you know, I, you know after Thanksgiving. Why not cheap? After Thanksgiving, their schedule is at Chicago, at Green Bay, at Chicago, at St. Louis, at Houston, versus Green Bay. I think I said at Chicago twice. Obviously, one of those is home, but they had a bear of a schedule the second half, and, and they made it in, and we all know why. Um, last thing, real quick, yeah. just cu- okay. just curious. Uh, do you At this point, do you remember who's playing in the national championship game for college football and when it comes around? Uh, What's your opinion on the game? Who do you think is going to win? I can't stand it. I, like I say, I'm excited for 2014 when we get the, the four best teams going head-to-head-to-head-to-head. To head to head to head. That's going to be grand. As it is, this Hokie system is no better. In fact, it's worse because it ruined the greatest day in sports. January 1st, that was the best time. We get those five ball games. All the significant games played on one day. At the end of the day, you knew who was national champion, just as often as you do now. I don't care they play something called the title game. Last year, Oklahoma State was on the outside looking in. Obviously, they deserve to crack at the crowd. Um, it's always something. I mean, look, I've got to Bama, Bama, how to win that game, you would think. But I don't, I, I go back and forth on all this SEC stuff. I, I really, clearly it is. If you try to make an argument against the SEC being the best conference, then you're ridiculous. But I don't know that it that, that at this point that there's just no way. Oh, the, the best SEC team it will smoke anyone else. I think Oregon would have beaten them if they would have played head to head. And Notre Dame is big up front defensively, so that's bad for Bama. You know, that's what that's the way that you should do it. Is that they can maul people. You start playing with a team like Oregon or. Uh, from other places, the thing that they have is the physical advantage up front, but they won't have that against Notre Dame. And then, too, every goal can make plays. And so, you know, that defense is a brand name. The band of defense, Nick Saban, blah, 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 but it's not as good as it has been 
over the last couple of years, and Everett Golston can make plays for Notre Dame. And so if he makes, I don't know, a couple of plays over the course of the game, a couple of big plays, that might be enough. But I, if I had to put all my all the money I have in the bank, I'd put all $70 on, uh, on the tie uh, take. You know, sometimes you just never know what team's going to show up on the field. I mean, as we're recording this, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's basically halftime, and Louisville is beating Florida 24-3. to So, you know, just... Wow, that is amazing. And uh, what proves something, that Louisville team is uh, not too bad. Uh, for all the talk, uh, you know, I like their QB, Teddy Bridgewater. It's, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess that uh, validates what I just said. That yeah. The SEC is good, but it's not unbeatable to other conferences anymore. I mean, look, Michigan, I just about knocked off South Carolina yesterday, so I will not be floored if Notre Dame does figure out how to win, and like you say, if you start talking about a month for, you know, five, six weeks in between games, you really don't know what's going to happen. 19 and 20-year-olds, who knows what yep. could be teamed up by the coach, and who knows if you know that it's a very strange difference that you know the NFL always argues that look we need the preseason and and you can make a case that the players need the preseason um, in order to audition for other teams in case they don't make that team. So you're going to go with Alabama and you're going to go with Brady and Rodgers in the Super Bowl with I think you said Rodgers winning is that right? I'll take Packers over Patriots. Packers over Patriots. Mainly because that be the game. Now that the Steelers are out of the playoffs, I think that'll be uh, I, the most satisfying. The All right. And when all this football stuff comes down, we got to get you on the other show so that we can talk hockey and the lockout and get our frustrations out and just have a little bit more of the fun that we usually have. This is more of a kind of straight football kind of a thing, but... We'll definitely catch up with you as soon as the football stuff dies down, if that's cool with you. That's fine by me, fella, and I'll be, uh, I, I just don't know if I'll be able to still talk hockey, because I <laughs> have worn the NHL. I fan through this sort of stuff with every strike, and I always laugh at it. But Commissioner Batman and Company, better be careful, because I am almost ready to check out. I'm so disgusted by them wasting Sidney Crosby's time. It's like Ted Williams. In, uh, in the World War II in Korea. I mean, now all of a sudden, between the concussions and another lockout here, I mean, the, the, the heart of his career has been lost now. It's, uh, it, it, uh, it angers me. And it's, that, almost like, it's almost like a commissioner taking away your coach for a whole season during the prime of your quarterback's career. <laughs> I mean, if something like that would happen, you'd probably be really angry about that too, you know? Touche, touche. I hear your noise. And the other thing is, at least I say this. Here's what I say about Goodell, but Sealing and David Stern over Gary Batman. At least those three guys seem to actually love the sport that they're, they're, they're the commissioners of. I don't get the sense that Gary Batman cares at all. You think on a Tuesday night last year, he was like, hey, look at this. It's Wings in Vancouver. I love these two teams. This is a great matchup. Um, you think he sits around and watches that? No I think way. I bet you Gary Batman could name 25 NHL players. Literally, I believe that. Do you think that he could name 25 guys that play in the NHL? I don't. No, and I, you know what else? You're talking to someone from a city who probably hates him more than any other city in the world, so. <laughs> don't forget that either. <laughs> so, all right, Dave, thanks a lot for everything. We always appreciate it. All right, thanks to our pal Dave Damashek. Looking forward to having him on the Sportscasters proper as we arranged for some time after the Super Bowl. Speaking of the Sportscasters proper, uh, again, we're on sort of just holiday break right now, but you can still check out Season 3, Episode 6, featuring Mike Tanier and Roy McGregor. You can find that at www.sports-casters.com, and next week we will have a fresh episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at sports underscore casters, and you can follow our friends at Football Nation at FBall Nation. 
If you'd like to email us a question or a comment, thesportscasters at gmail.com. But don't email us about Andy Dalton. We got that right. <laughs> we did. That's right. Uh, email today says, Stephen Don, which of the wild card home teams do you think is most likely to lose this weekend? And that's very similar to a question, and that's Jeff from Baltimore in the Washington area, maybe nervous about or in Baltimore area. Baltimore and Washington are so darn close. <laughs> he could be either he could be a Ravens fan or a Redskins fan probably. But uh similar to a question I asked Dave, and I think Dave said that he thought it was the Texans. Um we decided we're gonna rank them. So I start from least likely Yeah, I'm gonna start from least likely and say the least likely team to lose at home this weekend is the Packers. I agree. The second least likely team to lose at home this weekend is the Texans. The third least likely is the Redskins. No, the Ravens. And the most likely I'll say is the Redskins. But that could go either way, I think, yeah, between the Redskins I, and the Ravens. I think I agree with Houston, and uh, I might flip-flop the Ravens and the Skins. I think maybe the Ravens are the most beatable because of how they've finished and how the Colts have finished. It's just so hard to get a re- read on that Redskins-Seahawks game. To me, it's such a coin flip with two rookie quarterbacks playing their first playoff game and is RG3 healthy? And I right. think they got a little bit of a break now having to play on Saturday. It gets the extra day, but... Seahawks just play that... They have a style where they don't have to be risky. They've got a great running back. They've got a great defense and, and a... And a Good court, very good rookie quarterback. So it seems like both teams will almost try to employ the same strategy. It's almost going to be just pound their rookie strength or pound their running backs. Yeah, and, and let your rookie roll out and make plays that way. Right, not be a, you know get him out of the pocket, let him use his feet. Uh, but that said, it'll be a forty to thirty-eight battle or something strange yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, that brings me to my one more thing this week, and that's. Houston, if it was if they had any other opponent this week, I'd want to call them a one and done team. Uh, that of the home teams, we said they were about the third least likely to lose, and I think that probably holds true. And I think the NFL is going to like that because that sets up for uh, Peyton Manning versus the Colts if the Colts can upset the Ravens. That said, the Houston's have been coasting for a while. At the beginning of the season, they were kind of a, a hot pick to make the Super Bowl, and they have been for a few years now, and Indianapolis had been down. and uh, They look bad, though, down the stretch. They look like a very average, very beatable team. They're playing a game this week that they probably didn't think they'd have to be. They almost looked shocked that... They lost the last two weeks of the season, and again, now they're playing a game they don't have to be. They've been coasting since about week, I don't know, maybe their win after Chicago, week 10, when they were 9-1. and one. And since that point, they needed overtime to beat Jacksonville, who maybe exposed Ouch. them. Yep. Right. Then they needed overtime the following week to beat Detroit, another bad team. They did what they were supposed to, and they beat Tennessee. They got embarrassed by New England. They beat Indy at home, but then they went on to lose to Minnesota and Indiana Road. This is just not the way your team should look going into the playoffs, losing three of four and needing overtime to beat bad teams. We kind of pick on Atlanta a lot this year and say that they don't have any big wins. All of Houston's big wins, with the exception of Indianapolis, come at the beginning of the season. And if you want to count like Chicago as a big win, it's arguable that's even that big a win. It was after seven and one Chicago, right? Yes, I mean this is week ten. Yeah, so, so it's when Chicago is on the way down. Now the NFL, like I said, is hoping they can win at least one game, so they can get that dream matchup of uh, Denver and Indy. But this team looks vulnerable, and for a team that looked like they might have the driver's seat at the top of the AFC South. Their window might be closing fast because of Andrew Luck. Uh, Peyton left Indy, and they haven't had much breathing room as far as their time to shine. So they're going to need to get this, their act together, and they're going to be able to need to flip the switch quick because they're in a battle again. Indy's going to be around for a, a while now, so this might be their year, and they don't look good going into the playoffs. 
All right, one last thing for today. They're finally going to get around, uh, you know, playing the national championship game in college football. Oh, yeah. They're finally going to do that on Monday. You're going to have to wait till probably 845 because it's scheduled for 830. And yeah. by the time Brett Musburger and Kirk Herbstreet or whoever's going to call the game gets done talking about stuff that we've talked about for the last 340 days, it seems <laughs> like, since the last college football game. They're going to play it. And, you know, I don't really have a dog in the fight necessarily. I don't love or dislike Notre Dame. I don't love or dislike Alabama. I'm not a big fan, I guess, of Nick Saban, but I will be rooting for Notre Dame. Um, and for a couple reasons. One, their fans deserve it. They have a great, loyal fan base who's been there every step of the way and has been through some tough times, and they haven't won a national championship in a long time. And that's not to take anything away from the great fans that Alabama had, but they got this moment last year, and they got to beat their rival in the national championship game, and it doesn't get much sweeter than that. So I'll be rooting for Notre Dame for that reason, and also um, for, on a personal level. Um, a good friend of mine, Josh, uh, his father was uh, one of the big, the biggest Notre Dame fan I've ever met, and he passed away a few years ago, and you know I couldn't help but every time Notre Dame got a break this year, you know, with the luck of the Irish and being a Catholic school and everything that Catholics stand for, thinking – Man, that guy's up there, and he's just pulling every string he's got for this team. <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping that they win it for Josh and for his dad, and because uh, I don't like Nick Saban. Spend my days with a woman unkind, smoke my stuff and drink.